0: I don't care if God ever shows me that this is for my good. I get to believe it. It's part of me. It's down in my toes. It's what the Bible says. Don't take that away from me. If, if God takes all, it takes everything, leave me the scriptures and don't let me ever doubt them.
1: He's always in a great mood. Right. It was always, you could be having a bad day and it's, like, oh, here's, here, here's some grace. Don't worry about it. Right. You know, everything will be fine. hmm Oh, you need money? How much do you want? And whatever is in his pocket, he wants to give it all to you.
2: Welcome to the Timeless Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Faith Ann, and Larry Horton was my dad. The deepest connection I had with my dad was through his teaching of the gospel. My dad communicated grace more deeply and simply than most. These sermons came to be preserved through my dear Aunt Shirley, who, in the early 80s, requested that my dad's sermons be recorded on cassette tapes and mailed to her so that she could be edified from five states away. When Larry died and went home to be with the Lord in 2019, my Aunt Shirley came to the funeral and brought with her the very sermons this podcast was created to showcase. The remaining sermons were preached in the early 2000s at the church he pastored until he died. His children's prayer is that you will come to Christ through these sermons, or, if you already are a Christian, be edified and comforted, as so many were during his life. In this episode, I had to postpone my original guest that I had planned to have on the podcast, but was thrilled to be able to have my husband Dave come on and talk about a sermon from 2004. Larry preaches a sermon about ministering to the heart and about the new covenant and how we should treat each other. I thought it would be a great sermon to stick in this episode, and then you'll hear Dave and I talk at the end. You can find us on YouTube at The Timeless Gospel, and then As always, you can email me at thetimelessgospel at gmail.com. That's thetimelessgospel at gmail.com. Remember from last week, this episode is 19, and then we'll have one more episode before a five-week break in which, at some point during that five weeks, I'll release a best-of episode.
0: We're not looking at this passage in the New Covenant theologically. Uh, It's not my purpose at this time to try to equate Jeremiah 31 with our day. Uh, it's not my purpose to go through Hebrews and try to figure out who it's to and who it's not. Uh, what we're doing now, and this can be, this is clear, is that we're looking at the new covenant as far as the Christian life. Paul is writing to a bunch of Christians in Corinth. Uh, maybe some Jews there. Maybe not, I'm not. You know, that's not important. The important thing is that this is the words written to Christians. Uh, just like ourselves, and he uses the, the term New Covenant, and so that's what we're doing with uh, with this passage. We're seeing the difference between the New Covenant and the Old Covenant, not theologically, but in our everyday Christian life. How does it work? Uh, we talked the other night about pragmatism being a bad thing. Being practical is not not bad at all. It's just when you put the ism on the on the on the back of these words, uh, causes trouble. So with that, we're looking at the 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 power, the 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 strength, the 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 thing that makes the engine go in our lives, and it's called grace. And here Paul is using it, uh, the term new covenant. So let's let's read this uh, chapter starting with verse three, and then we'll go back and make a few comments. Clearly you are the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tables of flesh, that is, the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. And here is the key to the new covenant. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. I don't know why <clears throat> we Calvinists have such a problem with legalism. And we do, because you think that the way we believe, it would just be so we just fall over. We'd just, just accept this teaching completely and totally. Because we we know that that our sufficiency is from God. But uh, but for some reason after after the fifth point we just make a, a, a right turn and go right into a legal walk of some sort. Uh, who also made us sufficient, who, ma- who also made us sufficient as ministers of the New covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious has no glory in the respect because of the glory that excels. It's kind of like Romans 8. Uh, the, uh, the travail, the problems that we have in this life, uh, and we say certainly are huge, uh, but Paul says, you know, they, they just don't amount to anything compared to what's going to be later and here the glory of the law uh, it has glory but the glory of Christ the glory of the new covenant is so much more glorious that it's like the the, the glory of the old has no glory at all it's that much difference you can't even compare the two verse 11 for if what is passing away was glorious what remains is much more glorious therefore since we have such a hope we use great boldness of speech the new covenant does not bring us to sinfulness, does not bring us to, to license, it brings us to confidence. Confidence before God. And if we're confident before God, we're confident before men. Uh, not like Moses, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Are you talking, Larry, You have the, do you have the gall to talk bad about Moses? No, but Paul did. And again, we know that this was uh, the, the, written by God, the Holy Spirit. Moses was a hypocrite when it comes to the Old Covenant. That's what, I, that's what the Old Covenant will make of it. And the New Covenant is that everything comes from God, nothing comes from me. Then the Old Covenant is everything comes from me and not from God, or even something coming from me. And we'll, we'll look at that in a moment. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the, in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Christ is the end of all that nonsense. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The very important verse, number 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face behold as a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the Spirit of the Lord. So uh, this whole passage is, is talking about glory. Uh, it may be that some of your translations may have splendor. I'm not sure. But that uh, that is the the. The point that Paul is trying to make, he is contrasting uh, first of all, the the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, and then inside of that we find several contrasts. That's just the way Paul Paul teaches in many, many places, especially in Hebrews. We saw it over and over again, how he would contrast the ceremonial law uh with Christ. And here he's contrasting uh uh different uh points concerning uh, the two different glories. Now, there's glory in the law. We'll see that too, hopefully. It's, it, the law, there is glory there. But here we have the two splendors, the two glories, the glory of the Old Testament, the glory of the of the New Covenant. Just take, for instance, the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's great glory in the Ten Commandments. I mean, literally, the the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, they're, they're posted all over the world, are they not? Uh, you know, everyone thinks that the Ten Commandments, including we here, but, but we're not talking about us here. We're talking about the world. Even the world, the world uh, glories in the Ten Commandments. A uh, great many of the different religions and the different cultures, different countries, uh, all put much stock in the Ten Commandments. Even though they can't keep it, they don't realize that as we do. There, there is glory in the law of God. And, and here Paul is being very negative toward that law. But in Romans 7, he says that the law is holy, just, and good. So how is something that's holy, just, and good be something that's not good for us, that, that, that is negative in our lives? And the answer is in Romans 8, verse 3, and, and that is, the law cannot function. The law is holy, just, and good, but it, it can't do anything. Why? Because of our flesh. Because sinful, it's, it's what the law's got to work with. What the law's got to work with can't be worked with. It's, a, it's an old dead carcass. It's a flesh. What, what does flesh mean? Uh, it's not our, our bones and skin. We see the flesh in Adam first, and you know we all have been through Adam so many different times, but this is so important. Adam is in fellowship with God, he loves God, he's working with god he's he's the God of this he's the the prince of this world, he's the lord of this whole creation everything is is wonderful and fine and Adam sins and enters into what. Again, theologically, this doesn't work, but what we're looking at here, the, the, the life of the old covenant. On performance, he's scared, he's afraid. The Lord of this world is afraid. Uh, that's flesh, being fearful. That's, that's, that's what the flesh is. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans 8, 3. Uh, we know the story so well. He, he ran from God. Again, in Romans 8, it talks about that we hate God, the the natural man hates God. But at the same time, the the natural man longs, he's born with this longing for God. But he's afraid of God. He's afraid of God, but he longs for God. So he takes the the very, he gets as close to God as he can, even though he, he longs for God. He's afraid of God and he hates God. He'll get as close to God as he can get. And that is through the old covenant. That is through his performance. That's why we have all the different religions in this world. And there's not a nickel's worth of difference between any of them. If you define religion the way I do and that is steps toward God. So man, when he's born, is born in the image, in the likeness of Adam. And so his... His underlying motivation, his underlying what he calls life, which Paul calls death, is to get, his, get to God, but he hates God, and he's fearful of God. Adam ran from God, and so he does exactly what Adam does. He performs the best of that he can in whatever religion that he might be in in order to uh, get some peace, get appeased by this God whom he's afraid of and whom he hates. Only in Christianity is there, is there no religion in my, as far as my definition. I know James talks about Christianity being a religion, but James's definition might, it would be different. But my definition of it steps toward God, Christianity is the only thing in this world that's not religious because everything is done for us. Our faith, Even our faith is, is given to us by God. So we come to Christ, whether we know it or not, under the under the power of the new covenant. <laughs> Even though the preachers and teachers is going to get us back under that old covenant as quickly as they can, but we come to Christ in the power of of God. He gives us the faith, and we believe. So there, but there is there is some glory in the law. There's glory in this this uh, old covenant. Right, that's Paul's point. Moses, there was great glory on the mount, lightning and fla- thunder and flashings and storms, and Moses' face shined uh, where the folks that, uh, the people of Israel couldn't even look upon him. It just shined so brightly. Great glory in the law. I want you to think about something. This, and you glory in the law. Again, I don't think I'm an exception that proves the rule have you ever have you ever let's say at night just before you go to sleep you're laying there in bed and you're mad at somebody and you just think and you're just thinking about how how mad you are uh, at them and you're imagining all these things that could happen to them or uh, what you could do to them knowing you'd never do it and then, you, and then you think oh you know this is wrong this is sin this is awful and then you just go right back to it. <laughs> you know you're doing wrong. You, you just know you are, or, or maybe uh, your jealousies, uh, your envies uh, of all these other other. You just, you just, you just, or maybe it's uh, it's something to do with uh, with uh, the fact that you want to be the center of attention. And uh, it's not a, an outgoing love that we should have. It's it's this center of attention, and and you're thinking to yourself uh, of, of maybe. Uh, uh, sickness or something that happened to you is where everybody feels sorry for you. You know, and then you think, that's wrong, that's sin, and then you just go right back to it. You just relish in it for a short time. We know better, but we do it. There's glory in obedience. There's glory in the Old Covenant. The Gospel's not hard. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Now, let's look at some contrasts here uh, in verses... Uh, he talks about the two splendors. Now he's talking about uh, uh, life and death. Verse 7 and 8, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So, there, as as I just pointed out, there there is... There is when a person... I've told you this before, but when a, a person is looks like he, he might be dead, the doctors or whoever goes to that person and tries to find uh, vital signs. They try to find signs of life. They don't try to find signs of death. They find signs of life, and if those signs of life are not there, then they pronounce him dead. And we, as Christians have life, there's life in the New Covenant, which is, again, repeating Paul, nothing coming from us and everything coming from God. That's, that's the foundation. Nothing coming from us, everything coming from God. And that life is brought about by grace through the power of the Holy Spirit bringing about in our lives, for instance, love. But under the Old Covenant, what you have is you'll have hate. It's the opposite of love. We have peace. The Spirit brings life. The Spirit brings about peace. What's the the opposite of peace? Misery. (laughs) Miserable. Miserable fundamentalist. (laughs) There's no peace. But the Spirit brings about peace. Long-suffering. Patience. Kindness. Kindness. Boy, there's some mean, mean people in church. And I've known them. And I mean, they can really, really get mean. There's no point in that. There's no need for that. Under the new covenant, we have kindness. We have goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, just, just if everybody understood, everybody lived uh, with these, uh, with these uh, fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit? Now, going back up to verse 3. The second contrast, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tables of flesh, that is, of the heart. The old covenant is concerned about things, stones. The new covenant is concerned about hearts, people, churches. Boy, you can't, you can't do this. You can't live like this in the world. They won't let you. But at least we will be able to do it in the church. But churches are more concerned about things than they are the people. Uh, the, the, side, the, the the building, the, 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 plain, the, the, the windows, the, the stained glass windows. Uh, they're concerned about things. They're concerned about their programs. They're concerned about uh, doing things properly. And if you're not doing things properly, somebody's got to get a hold of you and show you how. They're not interested in people. The people do not come first. It's all the things that wrap up in, in that, that a church has. And if you think about it, and I'm I'm very I consider myself very, very fortunate very thankful for for we in this place. What what kind of things do we do we have here? What what other that that we put a lot of importance upon and things upon? I can't think of a thing except the teaching of the Word. Donuts, Donuts true, that's a thing, yeah. But really, years ago, in a church in Southern California, they they hired a, a young man to be the youth pastor, and they wanted him to they wanted him to bring in the the, the young people in the community into the church. And so he just went out and did it. Brought about 300 of them in, in their sandals and in their shorts and their cutoffs and their long hair and their uh, uh, unfilthy bodies. And the church fired the guy. Said, "You're bringing trash in off the street. Bring it into our sanctuary. They're more concerned about their sanctuary than they were the the, the people that were in them." That that if it, I don't know how much you care about this, but for all those and Linda pro rocks, but. I still like them. All those uh, courses that we sing, or we used to sing, that we should still sing. Linda won't let us. They all originated. They, they didn't all originate anywhere. They come from all over the place. But they're. They, uh, but it started. These these courses started in another church in Southern California, where the pastor had a, a an enormous amount of trouble. I forget the name of the town of the church, uh, Locust Grove or something like that. Uh, with with the elders and the leaders in the church because all these hippies were coming in, and and again these same type of people, and there was a big row. And finally, the 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 the, the pastor won, and the old folks got out of there. And that's really the start of where all these courses came from. They started writing uh, these these courses there in that church, and then it also by putting music to the Bible verses. He's more concerned about the people than he was uh, the carpet dirtying up the carpet and, chewing gum on the, and laying chewing gum on the carpet as the, the elders were talking about. Here in this place at least we can be concerned about the hearts and not about the things. I could care less about what goes on around here. It's just us. If you want to do something, let's do it. If you don't want to, then don't do it. Let's just, uh, let's just get along with one another and try to encourage one another and lift up one another and teach one another it's a, The New Covenant is about hearts. New Covenant is about people. And now if I could preach to you just about that long, just very shortly, and I'll get away from this. But that's in the church. Again, you can't do this in the workplace. They won't let you. They're under the Old Covenant in the workplace. It's the bottom line. Let the company start losing money, they're going to get rid of some folks. They're not going to feel a bit bad about it. That's just the way life is. That's the way the Old Covenant works. Performance, performance, performance. But let's not bring that home with us. So many marriages. I- I've seen this. I've e- we've even ex- I've even experienced it, being that I'm a human being. Your husband or your wife. Many times you put things before them. And and your relationship with your husband and your wife. Many times it's based on their performance. What they're doing. What they're doing for you. Either way. Husband or wife. And that's just old covenant. New covenant. We accept our husbands. We accept our wives for, for the fact that they're our husbands and our wives. They're the second or third greatest gift God's ever given to us. This is a, my gift from God. And cannot we just, just accept that? And put all of our love and emphasis on the person and not on what that person is doing or providing. Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to live? But we bring that old nasty old covenant in from the workplace into the house. And If you don't bring home this much money, then, then you're in trouble. Or if you don't mow the lawn, you're in trouble. If you don't do that, you, whatever it might be. So well, if you did that, nothing ever get done. It doesn't matter things get done or not. If you got your love for one another. Whatever. Boy, don't, don't, don't bring that old covenant into the home. Now, with young children, of course, you have to. Paul makes that clear in Galatians. You don't treat them the way you treat your older children, but why don't we treat our older children that way? I don't, it doesn't matter if they're a Christian or if they're not a Christian. It doesn't matter if, if they're, what they're doing, we accept and love our children for who they are. We can practice the New Covenant with our children, not the young ones. That's law, 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 law. The more law, the better. But once they get grown, accept them. I don't know how many horrible stories I've heard about I'm going to stand on the side of God against my children. You know, uh, I don't let them in my house, but they're sinners. They won't repent, da-da-da. No, accept them. They're people Uh, love their heart. Minister to their heart, who they are. Yes, you, you cannot enter into what their practices and what they're doing or their beliefs or anything else, but you can love them. At work, our boss gives us things, uh, goals, and, and, and things that we must do. And we, we must do them, or you're going to be sitting home watching TV. But that doesn't have to be our life at home or the life in the church. The New Covenant is concerned about people, hearts, not things, tablets of stone. In verse 9, For if this ministry of condemnation, the old covenant is a ministry of condemnation, a ministry of death, a ministry of guilt. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Uh, Let's look at this word righteousness for a moment. It's one of uh, not only of right, rightness, but it's one of, of doing right. We, we all know that. But in this doing right, it has to do with a sense of worth. You know, if you're righteous, I'm not talking about imputed righteousness. I'm talking about what, what gives you your worth. Are you worth anything? Well, why? Well, it's because of your righteousness. Uh, and there you could bring in imputed righteousness because that would be the foundation. But what gives you your worth? You You have condemnation. You have guilt on one side. The Old Covenant brings about guilt and condemnation, and that's all it can do, and that's all it does do. Guilt, 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 guilt. But the New Covenant, everything coming from God, brings about righteousness and worth. I am a worthy, I'm a worthwhile person. I have worth. I have great worth because I'm a child of God. Jesus died for me. Christ died for me. God loves me. God has imputed righteousness to me. I am someone of worth. But if you live under the old covenant, the way you derive your worth is through your performance, and through your performance is a spiral backwards down bringing about more guilt <laughs> i i come before you this morning guilty so i need to do something to get away from this guilt and so there and every husband knows exactly what i'm talking about so so then i'm going to uh, i'm going to perform so that i can have some feel some worth in my life and so i start performing and this performing i fail Presenting, creating more guilt. That's why we have so much performance in the churches. That's why we have so much great great work in all the different churches and all the different programs they have, all the different volunteers, because they don't have sense enough to, to see themselves complete in Christ. They don't have sense enough to see their worth is in Jesus Christ. They only know their worth from the Old Covenant, and that is a doing of whatever the rules or the, or the program might be in the church. And they just wear themselves out. They just wear themselves out. You and I cannot live. Let's just put God over here for a moment. Come out of the the equation. You and I cannot live up to the standards that we know. I'm not even talking about God's law, God's standards. God's standard. And you and I do not perform to the ability that we have. You say, well, we have no ability. Yes, we do. Not toward God, but we do have abilities, and, and we know what these are and you and I could perform to this level of our ability, whatever it may be, and we don't even do that. Forget about the law of God, and forget about in forgetting about God, you're heaping guilt upon your own selves through this performance business. But if, you're, if, if, you're, if you have sense enough, and guts enough, and grace enough, and maturity enough to see that you're under the new covenant and not under the old covenant, you're not under performance, but you're under love, you're under grace, then you, you won't be doing all that stuff. Well, good night, if we, if we believe that, nobody would do anything. Well, it doesn't seem to work that way. It just doesn't seem to work that way. Mary had a little lamb. It was given to her to keep. One day, joined the Baptist church and died of lack of sleep. <laughs> People think Paul was a braggart, uh, but Paul just understood grace to the point that he could say those things. But I'm, I'm not wanting to, to sound like the, the fellow in the Gospels that sit on the street corner and prayed about what a great person he was, but uh, this is not new to us here, and, and aren't you glad? I'm not, I'm not telling you anything new. Well, that that came about through uh, the ministry of the new covenant in your lives by uh, the grace of God through the Spirit of God. And aren't you aren't you thrilled? that you know these things. Have you ever been the other side? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think any of you came to Christ and then boom, just immediately uh, was mature. Think of all the struggles and strife that you've gone through trying to, trying to get to a level somewhere that the church would accept because of your performance. It's just pure death. It's just pure death. And Paul says so. Verse 7, if the ministry of death... <laughs> it's the ministry of death, the old covenant. Another contrast, 10 and 11. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. What if what was passing away was glorious? What remains is much more glorious. So the glory that's in the law, the glory that's in the, law, that's in the old covenant, the glory that's in the flesh, the glory that's in the performance, it will pass away. It will pass away. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. Well, hello, stranger, come right in. This is the end of the argument. This uh, uh, this particular argument. This is the end of the contrast of the, of the old and new. Verse six four. It is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light. Everything coming from God. Of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's been talking about the face of Moses. And that's the old covenant. And that glory faded away. But he goes all the way over to to chapter 4, verse 6, and says, But look to the face of Christ. There is the glory of God. Man goes out, Don, when I thought about this, I wasn't thinking of you. I didn't even think about you, okay? So please, don't think that I'm thinking of you. I just this minute thought of it. But this this is a real good analogy, I believe. A man goes out and buys a new car, okay, and he's so thrilled that he's got this new car, and he pushes it home, and he pushes it into his driveway, and he goes into the house, and he gets his wife and his kids to come out and look at the brand new car that he has, and the wife comes out, and she just really thinks it's wonderful. The kids come out. They think it's great. They're looking at the upholstery. They're looking at the tires. They're looking at all these marvelous things, and they're, they're honking the horn, and the horn sounds really terrific. And he asks, would you like to go for a ride? And they say, yes, we want to go for a ride. So he pushes the car. They get in the car. He pushes the car out of the driveway, and he starts pushing it toward town. Just a huffing and a puff. And he runs across the pastor of the first church. And uh, he says, well, what, what are you doing there, brother? And he says, I'm pushing this car, or we're, we're taking a drive. Me and the family are taking a drive in the car. He says, i got some great news for you. i got some wonderful news for you. He says, this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night down at the church, we're having a seminar on how to push cars. Now, Monday night, we're going to show you how to push the car with your right shoulder. And on Tuesday nights, we're going to show you how to push the car with your left shoulder. And on Wednesday night, we're going to have slides an overhead projection <clears throat> on all of the ways in which you can actually, the best way is to turn around and lift up the bumper and push it with your back. And it's it's a marvelous study. You're going to really, really get a lot out of it. And then Thursday, we're going to bring in testimonies of folks who push the cars. Really, really terrific. And then Friday night, we're going to have a, a great dedication service. We're all going to come down front, and we're all going to vow to be able to push our cars better. And so you go through all that. And you push your car home, and you push it back out, and you push it back home, and you push it back out, and you push it back home. And finally, you push it in your driveway, you go in your house, and you leave the car alone. You're just wrout. You're tired. It's hard to push that car. And then one day, someone like some one of you comes to the comes to you and says, uh, Hey, let me show you something. You go around the front of the car and lift up the hood. You see, You see that big steel thing there with all that... Wiggly stuff coming out of it, that's a power plant. That's a motor. We call that a motor. And if you would engage that motor, you could take that car just as easily going uphill as you can going downhill. It's so easy. It's so easy to steer that car. You just steer the car. There's no effort. That's what Paul's talking about here. The new covenant and the old covenant. The old covenant is everything coming from you, or even something coming from you, and the new covenant is everything coming from God. God is our power plant. God is our motor. I know it's simple, but it it's, it's, uh, has some truth to it. We're all out there trying, our people, Christians, church members, are all trying to, to, to get some, to get some uh, worth out of pushing that car. And all they, in the world they got to do is just turn the motor on. Verse 12, Therefore, Since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Now, the veil shows Moses' hypocrisy. And most Christians have hypocrisy, and they don't even know it. Talked about this just briefly last week. They, they come to church and they find out what a church member does and then they start acting that way and they're accepted by all of the church members, especially the pastors, because they're working and they're giving and they're doing all these things. And somehow they think that's the Christian life and pretty soon it gets real old and then they don't know what to do. Thank God for 2 Corinthians chapters 3, 4, and 5. But there is this veil. Moses went up on the mount and was with God for 40 days. Came back down the mountain, and his face just shined. And so he went into his tent and noticed that, they looked in the mirror or the creek or whatever, and noticed that the 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 shine was was fading away. Well, what in the world is he going to do? He's been with God, and because of that, he, his face shined. And now the, the the shining is going away. He can't have the people see that. So he puts a veil over his face, so they can't see that the shine that the glory is fading away. We get the word hypocrisy from where, some of you students, any students know where hypocrisy comes from? Actors, back years ago. They didn't have costumes, they didn't go through all the trouble of great costumes and sets and things like that, so one actor may play the part of four or five different people in a certain play, and a man may play, the, play a woman's part, and vice versa. So what they would do is they would, they would just walk across the stage with this mask in front of them and then they would play the part of the person that the mask represented. That's hypocrisy. And that's so there's this veil. And Christians under the old covenant have all these different veils that they put on. The first veil, there's so many, but one of pride. Let me read you uh uh, this is uh, C.s. Lewis in his uh, book on mere Christianity. There's one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes, which he sees in it some when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular, and no fault which we are more unconscious. Of in ourselves, and the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I'm, I must have a lot of pride because I certainly see this a lot. The vice I am talking about of is pride or self-conceit, and the virtue opposite it is called humility. Now, humility is being the opposite of pride. Still, you can't know that you're humble if you know you're humble. You would. You, Jerome said, "Be be aware, beware of the pride of humility." Uh, church, our church in California, he took up, got behind my back and took up a collection and went down to the jewelry store and bought me a real, real nice medallion, real nice, uh, gold plated, silver around it, and in silver etching across it, it had humility. And they gave it to me. I thought that was really nice of them. until they took it back because I wore it. You just can't get it right. You just can't get away from pride. You just there's just no way to get away from pride. Humility is something you can't know that you have. You just you just can't know it if you're humble. You just can't know it. As I've said so many times here, I'm writing a book on humility, and how I've achieved it. Moving on to the next mask, veil. We know that we're not righteous in our living. So what do we do? We come with this. This veil of, of self righteousness where I can judge everyone else because of my inadequacies. I, I put this on and then I'm 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 very contradictory, I'm very judgmental. And, and if you don't if I found something in the scriptures that I kind of like pretty well and I can do, that I'm gonna judge you for not doing it. Self righteousness, isn't that awful? Pride, self righteousness? Uh, then we have those who are and, and, and I fall into this category too, and I just hate it myself, and that's sensitivity. You can't get to those folks you can't you can't you just you can't get to them they're they're not open uh, I'm not talking about as we've had some fun here in the last two or three weeks uh and, and I like it myself and I, and I see it in others I'm not talking about making fun of me at my expense that's a good thing that's a good thing it shows me that you think that that I am uh Man enough to laugh at myself. That's not what I'm talking about. That's that's a good thing. Whenever we talk about Don and Linda's new car and things like that, I'm talking about those folks that are so sensitive that you just can't get around them. You're afraid you're going to hurt your feelings. They put on this they put on this veil, and you can't get near them because if you if you say anything out of the ordinary, if you if you criticize in any way or what, they just get so sensitive, and 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 and, and in ingrown, ingrown, and you just can't. Uh, you just can't deal with those folks. It's awful. The different masks we put on when we come to church, the different masks we put on uh, around each other. And it's all from that old covenant. There's a veil. like, But new covenant, you don't have to do that. And, and I've experienced that here in this place to some degree. And it's always been beautiful. When someone finally gets honest with me, or when maybe every now and then I can get honest with someone, uh, that's, that's lasting. That last. That friendship. Of that honest person before that, I'm not talking about coming and 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 submitting uh, to me in your honesty. I'm just talking about being honest, just being being honest about uh, you and your Christian life and the Lord and and the problems that you have with your families and with your jobs and with different things. It's so real and it, it just lasts. It's so lasting. We're not playing the games. We're we're, we're, we're we are we we do not have that veil. The veil comes from the old covenant. You think you've got to perform. And we all do it. We all do it. And we're not talking theology here. We're talking just practical living. We all do it. Lady in a church in California <laughs> stood up one night, her husband sitting right next to her, and she said, I don't love my husband. Please pray for me. That that's honesty. You know, that's honesty. The man sitting right there next to her. Verse 13, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Moses that put a veil over his face. Paul says the veil was there at the mount 1,500 years later in the days of Jesus Christ and Paul. They have that same veil. And coming 2,000 years from there, we have the same veil. We just don't believe what the Scripture teaches of our our absolute completeness in our Lord Jesus Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's... uh, that's the whole point of the New Covenant. That's the whole point of Christianity. That's the whole point of the Bible. <laughs> when you turn to Christ, that veil is removed. When you turn to Christ as a, as a sinner to be saved, and as you turn to Christ as a Christian, t- today and tomorrow and the next day, we don't come before God or each other by our performances. We come before God through, in Christ. And we'll get into that more and more and more, of course, as you know. Now, verse 17, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Charles and I have talked about this a time or two, but it's been my experience. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying this is a law, but it's certainly a, uh, an experience that I've had that interpreting the Bible, many, many times I, on, on complicated things, I have found that when I, I come to what I believe to be the truth of a particular verse, two things are always present. One is that it was so simple. I've I've fought over text First John one nine I fought over text for for years and years I, I think it was like fifteen years before I feel like now I understand First John one nine uh, and then when I do it's just so simple number one it the simplicity of the scriptures whenever I see the truth as as I, as I think I do and number two it always brings me into more liberty every single time. I'm relieved of something. It's just amazing. The Spirit of the Lord in the New Covenant brings about liberty in your life. But we all, with unveiled faces, face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Isn't that, isn't that something? Just from splendor to splendor to splendor, from glory to glory to glory. Definition of glory has to do with weight. Uh, the, the old hippies had it right. You know, that's heavy. You know, that, 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 that there's weightiness to God. and There's weightiness to your life and to mine. There's glory in your life and mine. Not the glory that's going to pass away, but the glory that is going to last forever in the face of Jesus Christ. As being transformed to the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'd like to read you mm-hmm. a song by a man named... John Fisher great guy if you country western fans uh, think of Don Williams and this is John Fisher he just stood up there with his the guitar and played but during the hippie time he was kind of a what What was that folks what would you call it folk what the worldly the worldly part of this would be folk folk music uh uh or, or the, the, the country west, me Don Williams, just sat there and just played his guitar and just sang. Had a beautiful voice. I uh, I uh, went to a class of his uh, concerning Paul's third missionary journey and got to got to know him pretty well. But uh, he's he's quite a quite a great guy. Way back a long time ago. Anyway, he wrote this song. Evangelical Veil vale Productions. Evangelical Veil Productions. Pick one up at quite a reduction. Got all kinds of shapes and sizes. Introductory bonus prizes. Special quality, one-way see-through. You can see them, but they can't see you. Never have to show yourself again. Just released. A Moses model comes with shine in a plastic bottle. It makes you look like you've just seen the Lord. Just one daily application and you'll fool the congregation, guaranteed to last a whole week through. Got a back-from-the-summer-camp veil with a mountaintop look that'll never fail. As long as you renew it every year, lots of special Jesus-freak files. Everyone comes with a permanent smile. One-way button and a sticker for your car. I might add, in a what-would-Jesus-do bracelet. Then it ends, you're protected. (laughs) Nobody can see you. Nobody can get to you. Oh, we don't want that. We don't want that. We want to live under the new covenant, honesty before our brothers and sisters. Thank you.
2: Welcome to the discussion portion of the podcast. I am thrilled to have my husband on for this discussion. Dave, thanks for coming on.
1: You're quite welcome. It's It's a pleasure.
2: Yeah, um, the reason why I asked you to come on is because the sermon was very wrapped up into the heart of the people of God, the Christians, and we have the most interaction with our families and with the people in the church, and so I thought it would be a nice time to bring you in and you could talk a little bit about what Larry meant to you, and then we could talk about the sermon. Does that sound all right with you?
1: Yeah, it sounds great.
2: All right. Well, would you like to just start by saying uh, what Larry has meant to you, uh, both as being your father-in-law and being the person who has shown you the most about the gospel?
1: Yeah, I, I, it really started with you, I mean, being a, a probably a 19, 18-year-old person that didn't know anything. Uh you know, I I knew what I believed back then, but I didn't really, I didn't know anything to really fully believe, if that makes sense. I, I knew the Lord, you know, I knew God, who, who he was. I knew uh, Jesus, who he was, but I didn't really know much more than that. And I didn't know the the importance of the roles of the, the Trinity, basically. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, I, it was just more of a, what my parents had told me as a kid, and just, yeah, I kind of believe that. And that's neat. And man, you know, that's about it. I didn't know anything. So in talking to you about it, things were, were brought up to where it was, it was really interesting. It's a lot more than just the roles of who they are going from a person that thinking that that stealing a candy bar is a lot, lot less offensive than murdering somebody, you know, <laughs> and come to find out, they're both just as equally bad. It's, it boils down to sin. So, I mean, that was, that was something totally new to me. So, to go from that, you know, you started because you, you were taught by your dad ever since you could comprehend. Right. So, you were 12, 13, 14 years ahead of me. So, so Larry was teaching me through, through you,
3: right. you know,
1: so it was just, it was kind of passed down. And throughout the years, I mean, you know, I've I've gone from a person that cracking open the Bible and and I think I'll just jump into Chronicles, First Chronicles, <laughs> and to not have the sense to put Chronicles down and go to Romans.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't need to know who who begat this person and, and and who who you know that's all obviously important, but not to a person that's just trying to kind of get caught up on the real meat, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. So, One of the things that I appreciated so much when I was sharing uh, the Christianity or my Christianity um, and my faith was that you never rejected it um, and you didn't say, now, wait a minute, that's different than what I've been told, uh, which is so often happens when you have to share Calvinism with somebody who's been uh, brought up in a church that believes in the free will of man but with you um everything that you know i was sharing you you said uh huh i i believe that and you know the sheep hear the voice of the master and or the shepherd and you you took it you took it as your own f- right away you know there wasn't any having to convince you mm-hmm. um and and that was a real blessing and uh you know we we both have have gotten so much edification from Larry uh, and others too, but, you know, from being in his church. And it's, it's wonderful that we both have the same opinion of our church.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think in the beginning, I don't, I don't know if you would actually turn to where, you know, it says that, that not everybody is saved or I just can't recall. It's been 30 plus years ago, but you probably backed it up with the actual scripture where it's talking about not everyone is, is elect or, you know, you didn't point me to the, to the parts of the Bible where it talks about free will Mm -hmm. because to my knowledge that doesn't exist. Right. So you probably backed it up. You know, I wasn't, I just didn't follow along to or go along to get along, you know?
2: Yeah. So you weren't, you weren't believing in all of these things just so that I'd stay talking to you.
1: No, I mean, not, not that I can recall. Mm -hmm. And it, it seemed, you know, at the time, just based on memory, I mean, yeah, I can understand that, that, that makes sense. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I, and there was no pre, there was no belief that I had that really contradicted what you were trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. I just had a very basic belief and that was, that was pretty much it.
2: Can I tell everyone how we met? Would you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: We, you know, we, we met, so you might as well divulge <laughs> how that all took place. And, and it's, it's not too embarrassing. It's pretty, yeah. pretty normal, pretty common.
2: Pretty common. Yeah. Well, we met in high school cause we both uh, were in the same town and went to the same high school and dave would ask to borrow a pen from me and i would give him the pen and then i would go home and they were pens that belonged to my dad and and larry would you know didn't really care about things all that much he didn't care about keeping vehicles nice or uh much of anything so it's kind of weird now looking back that he would care about pens but i do remember that he would ask me where is that pen that you borrowed and i would say ah i i lost it I, I gave it to somebody at school. So then you continue to keep asking me for pens. And so I thought, well, I need a way to make sure that I get this pen back. So I would make you leave collateral mm-hmm. with me so that at the end of the hour, we would make the exchange. And uh, that's where it all started.
1: Mm-hmm. The keys that, that you would use as collateral, uh, I had my first car's hood ornament as a like a key ring.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was, it was a big giant Cadillac Eldorado hood ornament. And it was, it was almost too big to fit in my pocket. It was <laughs> pretty dumb, And yeah, so you'd hold on to that and it would weigh your purse down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think back then, the first time or two that I think I needed to pen, it was, it was legit. And then it became a and on purpose, type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it was, it was playful and fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's how um, you've been, you know, our whole marriage. Um, if, if we had to grade ourselves on the fun department, mm-hmm. you were definitely the fun one, and i more the serious one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but God brought us together in that way. And, and Larry was able to, communicate the gospel in a real simple way and you've told me some of that before that you could understand things Mm -hmm. and what was some of the things that just really really impacted you that he would teach about
1: probably you know he was really big on romans Mm -hmm. romans 8 and i think that that probably was the biggest to where you know if if You're in Jesus. If you're in Christ, uh, you can rest. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. you're done. You're not going to be condemned. You're not condemned now, and you won't be condemned in the future. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So, even though I'm I'm a terrible person at times, we we all can be. No matter how much I might upset you, I mean, we'll eventually we'll we'll always work it out because we always have. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So that's probably the the biggest. I was thinking about this last night. It was every time you take communion, you you do that in remembrance of of Christ. Mm-hmm. that was kind of a, you just do it in remembrance. You don't, you don't have to go by the little black book in the, in the OPC church
3: mm-hmm. that
1: says you need to really examine yourself. Have you wronged anybody lately? Well, maybe you should set this one out.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: No, it doesn't say that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's an addition to the Bible and what it, what it commands you to do when you, when you go to take that sacrament.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I think the church now where we're at didn't really exist at that time. Mm-hmm. They were going through the process of meeting at different places and whatnot. So, you know, we're, we're going down there and, and we're being taught something kind of in a parallel universe, just different things. And so being taught that for a number of years, or at least being in that mindset, I think when we visited or, or either that or moved to your dad's church that whole idea of just yeah if you if you if you want to take communion go go ahead mm. and, and this is why we're doing it it's just out of remembrance it's not it's not something that uh has any other you know meaning except for that right. and so that that was another thing that I was impressed upon and then when my kids who who were denied at, at the other church and we start going there and they have an understanding of it yeah, they're they're open to it, and they're they're eight, they're seven years old, they're able to take it. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this to to remember? That's it. So that was another that was another example.
2: Yeah, the the people who you know need Christ are the people that are the most broken and and do have the most sin. So it's uh, it's quite a shame to have. Uh, restrictions on the Lord's table, and then res- restrictions on who can take it, mm-hmm. and restrictions on uh, even the people that can take it have to have a, a pretty cleaned up week. You <laughs> know, if you've been good this week, go ahead, but if not, um, you better just wait. It's law keeping in a in a small way, and you know we we talk a lot about the differences between the OPC church and Dad's church and it it's kind of hard because those people were very lovely people, and they were wonderful, and they were great Calvinists for sure. And um, it's just this tendency uh, to to put Christians under law. And I haven't found a church yet that doesn't do that except the one we go to mm-hmm. yeah. and even um even the church that we attended together in California before we had kids. Um, you had an experience there too, the same kind, along the same kind of lines.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you go into a, you know, he's an elder, great guy, nice guy. All these, all these people are nice.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, not strange at all. But it's strange to go into a, an elder's business. He had like a, like a shipping business uh, where you could go and and mail stuff, you know, boxes or letters or whatever, and you could buy stamps. But, you know, you go in and do business with him, and it's just you and him and, and how's things going? Oh, and how's your walk with the Lord going? You know, and as a 20 year old who doesn't really know much, didn't know to stay out of Chronicles, First Chronicle, <laughs> you know, didn't, didn't really, he's, he's learning, but he, you know, and, and now you have to kind of stick up for, you know, how your walk's going.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Instead, he could have just said, he could have told me how my walk was going based on Romans eight one, mm-hmm. but it's more of a how are you doing? Are you keeping up your your part? And it's and ever since then it's been kind of I've been kind of on edge around certain types of people because of that because it's all about how I'm doing,
2: how you're performing.
1: Well, yeah, how how the how the performance is going?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are you staying out of trouble?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and today if that was asked to me, I I would know exactly what to say. But back back then, thirty years ago, I, I'm nervous, <laughs> so it's like.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and and of course he was, you know, he's 50 years old and I'm 20. He's got 30 years of life on me and he's a quote unquote Christian. He knows what he's talking about. And so those types of things are, they have an impact on you as a, as a young Christian. Mm-hmm. It, it made me kind of turn away and just not really want to be talkative. And,
2: and did dad ever ask you how your walk with the Lord was going?
1: No, not, not not one time. Yeah. And and you know, I, I knew him before I knew this elder out in California.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we got married and it was it was around the same time, but for 30 years I've never been put in the hot seat with Larry <laughs> about how I'm I'm doing.
2: hmm Well, Larry did think a lot of you, and he he always had a lot of respect for you for taking care of your family. Mm-hmm. And then he loved that you caught on to that reckon it dead phrase. Mm -hmm. He was so tickled that you kind of took that as your anthem. And sometimes in church, he would be teaching and he would say, and what do we say, David? And he'd look over at you and you'd say.
1: Reckon it dead, Larry.
2: (laughs) Right. and And he'd,
1: He'd laugh a little bit.
2: Yeah. And that. That just uh, brings us a little bit to this sermon, unless you had anything else you wanted to say about um, our our history or or your history yeah. with Dad. But, you know, the sermon that you just played, Dad talked about the veil of Moses and that glory that fades. And we walk around with veils uh, either in our own homes or in our church. And the Old Covenant and how it's just death because it is performance. Mm-hmm. driven. I mean, there there just isn't a Christian. I don't think there would be a single Christian in the world if they were asked, how's your walk with the Lord? Their very first thought is going to be one of uh, not measuring up. Now, thankfully, there's people like us that would, that would turn that quickly around and say, oh, no, no, no. I'm wholly blameless and beyond reproach. And my walk is one of great joy and peace and rest but your first thought would be oh uh, i'm not oh you know i didn't read my bible enough yesterday or i yelled at my kids last night and to to live without that the veil of of uh trying to be like a good christian is hard to do mm-hmm and it's hard to live without expecting much from people. But our prayer um, really should be that we do live that way, at least with the people, our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and our families. And and Larry talked about ministering to the heart, and and that's so exactly what we should pray that we would do with each other in the home and in church. Uh, we just don't do that enough, I don't think. We, Think about the person's heart. Think about how much you've been forgiven and take that out, out with you and let that lead you. I've been forgiven much. There's not anything that anybody can do to me that's any worse than what I've done to Christ. And yet what, what I've received eternal life and hope and glory in Christ. Let that be what you lead with when you're talking to people and, and there's going to be things that come up either in the home or in church conflict.
1: Oh yeah. It it happened to us a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's common, you know? And that's one thing I struggle with is, you know, I, I'm, I'm quick to anger a lot. Mm -hmm. I get fired up over things.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And at the, in the end, I mean, it's, it's all pointless. You know, there's no point to, Getting upset about something that was done to something or somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it just all boils down to sin. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end of the day, I just need to reckon
2: it dead. <laughs> right, that sin has been placed on in Christ. If if it's our own sin, it's been placed in Christ. When he died, and then we he rose, we rose. Perfect. If it's someone else's sin, you know that's between them and God, and whether or not God's going to save that person or not. But either way, that that sin is theirs, and uh, we have we have been forgiven, and and we uh, have so much, as Larry would say, we've got so much going for us, and and so we should be the people that are the most forgiving, not, not cause we're checking off a box, a good Christian box, mm-hmm. but because we have this gratitude uh, and we, you know, I, I don't think that I do that enough to the people closest to me.
1: Yeah. And and I'm, I'm terrible about that, <laughs> but you know, like with, with him, you could, and there, there was times, you know, when I was younger, and and yeah, I mean, Larry would do things, and and it would irritate me. It's all just the flesh, just you know, and it's sinfulness, just being upset over something, getting your feelings hurt or whatever. And as you grow older and mature, you know, you 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 basically can understand that it's just, yeah, it's just human nature. you it, it's in your nature to to be that way, to to feel that way, mm-hmm. and when you reckon it dead when you recognize that it's just dead works
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh that's so much more helpful his his little thing that i latched on to very small kind of was a joke you know between us uh, it it really is a big part of a christian life
2: amen amen it it's the answer for your sin and uh, vowing to be better isn't uh Isn't the answer, Um, even though we want to be better, but the 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 works will come. You know, Christ has has given has predestined good works for us, Mm -hmm. and I think you know the more and more that we know things about the gospel, the more our our behavior changes. Don't you think that's right?
1: Yeah, there's a funny story about Larry and and birthday cake, (laughs) and back then. This was probably a, around 20 years ago because it was one of the kids and, and they were.
2: It was a birthday party for he, one of the kids.
1: And he was there. And at the time, it, it kind of irritated me. Now, I can see the, I can see his, his point of view, like his, the story is, is he went to get a, a bite of cake. He, he cut it with a fork, you know, like he normally would. He, he cut into the cake and a piece of it got away from him. the chocolate cake ended up on the carpet it was just a you know a cut piece of cake so it wasn't too big a couple inches wide you know at the most i I don't know it's it's been a while and he he saw it down there he acknowledged its presence on the carpet in a house that wasn't his (laughs) and he just kind of went back on with his conversation and got up and left a little while later and there was the cake and it was kind of, at the time, it kind of, it just kind of irked me a little bit. But now it's like, that's just who he was.
3: Mm-hmm. He, knew,
1: he knew it would get taken care of. <laughs> he was quirky in that, in that regard. But, you know, now we're, we talk about it and we laugh about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, what, what's more important is m- remembering how Larry was and his quirkiness and eh, it'll get taken care of. One of these kids will get it. Or, or the mice, you know, some, <laughs> something will take care of it. I ain't going to worry about it, you know. There's bigger, bigger things to worry about in life,
2: but that it's again leading from the heart. I mean, ministering to the heart is, you know, his heart was one of generosity and kindness, mm-hmm. and so you you focus on that instead yeah. of the yeah. the small things that irritate you.
1: Yeah, and that's just, you know, it's looking back. It's yeah, it's silly. It's just kind of an irritation, but it's. I'm living in a house with four children,
3: mm-hmm.
1: so anything that's on the floor that gets dropped—that I mean, happens hourly. <laughs> so why why be upset? I, and I I wasn't like I was really upset about it. It was just like oh come on. <laughs> but that's just such a small thing compared to any time you'd you'd go over to his house. Um, he's always in a great mood. Right. It was always you could be having a bad day and it's out. Oh, Here's, here, here's some grace. Don't worry about it. Right. You know, everything will be fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, you need money? How much do you want? And whatever's in his pocket, he wants to give it all to you. Mm-hmm. Whether it's 20s, you know, like a, a couple of 20s or a couple of hundred dollars. It, whatever it was, here, you need this, take it.
2: Right. Didn't he, um, he wanted you to you and Josh to do something mm-hmm. for him in the front yard, and then he just pulled out this money. And, and you had to say, no, that, this is just way yeah. too much for it, what it you was, want me to do.
1: It was me and, and his two grandsons, Josh and Caleb. Mm-hmm. And we went, to the, we went to one of the, the big box stores and just bought some like landscaping uh, like bricks to put around a tree. So we bought, I think, 24, 24 of those, hauled them over to the house, put them around the tree, here, here's 150 bucks. Go get the kids a hamburger. <laughs> like, <laughs> Larry, <laughs> no, take it. Larry, don't worry about it. You know, we're, we're family.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no cost here. No, take it. It's like, well, I tell you what, I'll step out. And if you want to deal with your grandkids and disperse this between them, that's fine. And then I think that's what he did. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it was like 150 bucks, but it was, it was a lot compared to going to spend $10. It it was a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it was, he was always very giving and whether it's of his time or graciousness, whether it's, whether if, if money was just the issue, here, take, you know, I've got more, don't worry about it. Or just being supportive in whatever you might be doing.
2: Well, I think we can uh, wrap this up. I did want to tell you thank you for doing all the work that you do to put these pieces of uh, discussion and sermon together. You were the one who first discovered that the audio files that we had tried to put on YouTube a few years ago could be digitally remastered and and much, much better quality. I'm so glad that you discovered that in, in the editing software that you have because that was quite a revelation and you played, you played it with voice isolation and without and the two back to back um, of Larry of a sermon. And as soon as I heard the difference, I said, I'm going to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing that and doing it every week. Like you do. Um, it's, it's been so much fun. Anything else you want to say?
1: I was going to say you're, you're welcome for that. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, fun discovery of trying to take something that sounds so you know hideous to some to some degree because of these tapes i mean they're from 1987 and mm-hmm. some of them didn't hold up very well
3: mm-hmm.
1: and and they might have been recorded on on a machine that you know it was adding all the pops and the hisses and and you know and then and then you add on top of that the amount of time that's gone by mm-hmm. and just the conditions that 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 tapes might have sat in heat and cold and whatnot and then you have to be able to to clean it up to where it's wow it sounds like it was recorded a you know a week ago
2: right right
1: so that was fun and uh but yeah it's i enjoy uh, listening for a couple of different reasons obviously it's you know you're able to basically keep keep his spirit alive to a degree and to me as a as a kid who just never went to church, you know. As a child, it, I'm listening to tapes that are being recorded a couple of miles away from from where I lived, and I'm listening along with my future wife. I mean, who, who's there at the church, you know? So, mm-hmm. so that's a, it's a interesting perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's amazing how much enjoyment. I get out of them, and I, you know, I was even there. I was 13, 14, but I'm sure I didn't go home each Sunday afternoon just thanking my father for his delightful message and how edifying it was. You know, I was a kid. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're that's church, but now it it's very meaningful. Um, the Lord just is working through this in a wonderful, marvelous way and giving us lots of help, you know, giving us people that – like you and others that are willing to be our cheerleaders and help us get this thing done. So I'll play a little clip of the sermon that you just heard. Um, I, I think I want to try and do that every time, just play my favorite part of the sermon, and then you'll hear a hymn. I think we'll do Blessed Be the Tie That Binds again for this episode. As always, you can email me at gospel at gmail.com.
0: Are you worth anything? Well, why? Well, it's because of your righteousness. Uh, And there you could bring in imputed righteousness because that would be the foundation. But what gives you your worth? You You have condemnation. You have guilt on one side. The Old Covenant brings about guilt and condemnation. And that's all it can do. And that's all it does do. Guilt, 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 guilt. But the new covenant, everything coming from God, brings about righteousness and worth. I am a worthy, I'm a worthwhile person. I have worth. I have great worth because I'm a child of God. Jesus died for me, Christ died for me. God loves me, God has imputed righteousness to me. I am someone of worth.
2: for listening to the Timeless Gospel Podcast.